Outrun, outrun, outlast, outlast. Hit him quick, get out fast. Uh huh. Stay alive until this horror show is past. We're gonna fly a lot of flags half mast. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tales from the Fog. I'm your host, Casey, and with me, as always, is the amazing and wonderful Veronica. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm good. How's life in the core? Life in the core is boring as hell. I'm sorry. The video game novelty wore off pretty fast, huh? Yeah. yeah. And now it's mostly hanging out with the puppies. I and, mean, it's good company. And trying not to nap too much <laughs> do you feel like if left to your own devices you'd end up nocturnal yes very very easily <laughs> yeah same <laughs> i totally feel that way yeah i feel like if i was left unattended with no like i think i still have a circadian rhythm but i think like you know in caveman days there was a certain percentage of the people who were um who had the the night watch yeah so they were like naturally nocturnal mm-hmm. i think i would have been one of those people me too for sure i wonder if that's common in the haunt community maybe or maybe it's learned from doing haunt so long your mind's just like i'm supposed to be up at night i guess i don't know or i've always we... been like that though so have i yeah and a lot of our friends are feel like that as well i mean they might be good morning people but at the same time they like to you know play when the moon is out mm-hmm. so i wonder if it's like if not necessarily one leads to the other, but if if they're related somehow, maybe. Mm. So speaking of haunts, all mm. kinds of crazy things have been happening in the Halloween community. Yeah. Uh, Dark Harbor announced that they are not coming back for 2020, mm-hmm. which kind of see coming. We also see more announcements like that coming down the pipeline. How long um, are they going to wait though? Queen Mary's the only one who's pulled the trigger. Yeah, and it's. I mean. It's announcement season, and Universal hasn't announced anything. Yeah. Well, let's see. It's July fourteenth. We would have we would have been about two weeks away from all of these places announcing yeah. what goodies they were going to have. And so when are they going to start announcing what they're not going to have? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody did a drone flyover of both Universal Studios and Knott's Berry Farm, and basically all haunt construction at both parks have completely stopped so that pretty much you know if they if they're not continuing to build that shows that they're not confident that anything's going to happen but they're i mean we know some carps are there but they could be full-time guys well at knots but knots is also doing a lot of taking this time to fix up a lot of the things that is true and making it look all pretty and shiny they got a new marquee at Charles M. Schultz Theater. Hmm. They got a new K on the tower. Yeah, I saw that. With new lighting package, modern lighting, so they can control it and all that fun stuff. I feel like we were alive when they did that once already. Do you remember the K ever being replaced? Not replaced. I remember when they removed the parachutes. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Let's see what else is going on in the Halloween industry. Um, a lot of home haunts are taking a step back and doing yard displays. So yeah. check on your favorite home haunts website. I know Rotten Apple's doing a yard display. I believe the Haunted Rose out in Brea is doing a yard display. Yikes. Um, I mean, that's good that they're doing something, but they've yeah. got to keep their family safe and their guests safe. Yep. And the liability... I mean, who knows what the liability of somebody claims they caught the virus at your house, like, and, during an event. And emotionally, if they actually do catch it at your house. Yeah. That would be awful. But we can probably expect more on that from official channels. I mean, we could hear another press conference with Gav- with Gavin Newsom that says, guys, n- no gatherings, no haunts. No, nothing. Yeah. It could happen. We're mm-hmm. close. It's getting yeah. worse again. I mean, the last thing I heard from LA Haunted Hayride is that they're still going to go through with their auditions. So Doesn't they're, hurt. They're still crossing their fingers, I guess, and hoping that something changes. 
You might as well um, try to get done the stuff that isn't going to be a huge financial loss. Yeah. If he bought a bunch of lumber that, you know, and he doesn't get to build anything with it, now you've got to either find a place to put it or you're out that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, as of yesterday, California took a huge step backwards by reclosing a bunch of stuff. So. Yeah. Who knows what the ramifications of that is? I mean... And the fact that it's California matters to us because we're in Southern California. Yeah. And this is one of the biggest haunt communities on the planet, if not the biggest haunt community on the planet. Yeah. Maybe short of Salem, Massachusetts? No, we're probably bigger than that, for sure. We've got to be by by volume. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not by history, just by volume. Yeah, so not... I don't have a whole lot of hopes anymore for the Halloween season this year. It's going to be definitely, we're going to have to change our focus from going out and enjoying things. I mean, you'll still be able to do the yard displays and things like that, hopefully. Yeah. But, I mean, we're really going to have to, like, focus more on what you can do at the house to liven up the Halloween spirit. I foresee a lot of decor being the main seller i mean people will probably still buy candy it's my excuse to eat an absurd and offensive amount of candy we'll just try to treat ourselves yeah <laughs> the people are, we're gonna find a way but i imagine that candy is is the the number one thing that people buy during this holiday i'm gonna guess that this year it's gonna be decor to keep the spirit alive in a way that you're not going to get to do otherwise yeah that's my prediction yeah. It's going to happen in this house. And maybe like, uh, this is maybe a challenge out to all of our listeners and friends and stuff. How they did all those Disney rides for their kids. Yes. Now you have to do a, a not scary farm maze. So you have to come up with a <gasps> way to think of one of the mazes that's at not scary farm currently or in the past mm-hmm. and remake it in your house. Oh my gosh. What's the hashtag? Uh, scary farm at home. Home scary farm. Home Halloween haunt. Home Ho- is where the haunt is. Aww. How about that? Home is where the haunt is. That's a good one. Yeah. I think, I think it is done. Okay. So Hashtag there you go. Hashtag home is where the haunt is. Yes. All and, right. And you have to come up with a way to make a, a not scary farm maze in your house. Now, are there, are there, um, Things like they can't say the name of it and it has to be guessed? Or is that not a concern? You can say that this was, you know, Blood Bayou. And yeah, then, like, you can do that. Have someone with, like, some cool, awesome, shiny It's more boys. about seeing people's creativity on how to take that concept and actually do it with stuff they have around the house. What maze would you do? Uh, slasher in the dark because you just have to turn all the lights off. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> All right, what else? Um, God, what would be another one? Like, I've got to think of what we have at our disposal. Oh, that's um, true. So I guess there's a couple different parameters. Like, what if you had unlimited resources, but what, it was in someone's home? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, there's only so much stuff we'll be able to go out and yeah. get. But then there's, like, what could you and I in our current home do? Yeah. Those are different. So We could probably do, like, C3. Oh, 100%. We could yeah. do C3. Clowns is pretty easy. Yeah, and we have clown outfits in the garage. masks and stuff. Yeah. So that would be okay. That would be pretty easy. Decor-wise would be interesting to try to piece that together. I guess we could hang sheets as walls. And we have lots of lights. Yeah, we've got Colored lights and stuff, so. Soundtrack available. Yes. Yeah, that could I think we could do that. I'm not, um, I mean, I like you, but I'm not particularly partial to clowns. Like, I'm not drawn to clowns typically but uh i don't find them scary no but you know some people kind of like you know just love clown stuff when it comes to haunted mm-hmm. things um i mean i appreciate it and i like a, a good you know sexy clown outfit or something but it's not like my fave mm-hmm. but as far as like if i wonder i would want to say the vampire one but it's almost like kind of easy yeah. Because you just have to, like, wear something pretty and paint and your face. Sadly, like, Knott's hasn't had, like, a really, really good vampire maze in a long time. I think I might go with, what's, um, 
Voodoo. Voodoo Witch Project? No. What? What's the one that was? Uh, was it Voodoo Witch Project? Yeah. The most recent one, or pretty oh. recent? Oh, the the one that that was over by Ghost Rider. Yeah. I don't remember what that one was called. I know the one you're talking. It was about. like was kind it of just witch, Voodoo? witch doctory. Might have been called Voodoo. I don't know. Um, but I like the the aesthetic of it. I like the the Creole New Orleansy. Uh, Kind of funkadelic. We would need to rent a lot of plants. I want a lot of plants to live here. And maybe an alligator. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can we can definitely do the alligator. Yeah. But we have Lucy. He's but kind of like an alligator. You have to sew them alligator outfits. Oh yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Well, we can do a gunslinger and make Lucy like a skeleton horse. Oh yeah. He'd make a good little horsey. He is the man in black. Mm-hmm. He is the walking dude. Yes. Randall Flagg, as it were. What else is new? We've got to work on a movie. We did. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Got me out of the house for three days. That was nice. Yeah. It got me to take some vacation days. Mm-hmm. That was also nice. I'm excited to see uh, it all come together. It's going to be beautiful. I don't know what we're allowed to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, this happened right after film sets officially opened. We were able to um, hook up with our friend who got us on set for a film he was working on. And he's got this backlog that's growing of projects, but we haven't been able to film because of all the restrictions. And the last that I heard, I could be wrong, but I thought that film sets closed back down. I haven't heard since that one time that I heard, so I don't yeah. know how accurate that is, but um, I fear that that may have been like a a little lightning in the bottle situation. And yeah. we were careful; we had masks, and we you know stayed as distant as we could on a film set, which isn't you know always six feet, but we did our best. Yeah, and you know we used hand sanitizer, and we you know took our precautions and everything. But man, it felt good to work mm-hmm. to really work. Yeah. It was nice. I want to do that again. I know. But I think that this film, once we're able to talk about it more, um, I think it's up the alley of people who hang out it with us. It may be something that we might be able to get them to submit to the Midsummer Scream Film Festival. Oh, yes. Absolutely. If they do that again next year. I hope they do. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it would fit right in with the... Oh, yeah. You know what? It would have done really well at the film festival that we did up in or down in um, Laguna. Oh, yeah. The horror film festival. That was awesome. Yeah. And some really, really great flicks. But I Amazing. think that this flick is, I mean, the people working on it are um, our uh, director of photography has a film going to Cannes. Yep. I mean, that's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really cool. And everyone is so talented, and they've been doing it forever. Just good crew. I hope we work with them again. Yeah. But speaking of film and TV and stuff, we lost somebody that was very important to me, and I don't know how important he was to you. Pretty damn. Grant Imahara passed away. Very suddenly, very unexpectedly. At only 49 years of age. My God. I mean... So much more to do. He, you know, master electrical engineer. He worked on Matrix and Star Wars and a million of other projects. He was host on Mythbusters and the Red Rabbit Project. Um, I was actually just watching his newest thing, which he was working with a couple people. And I think they put it out on the Vice channel, but they were building the home of the future and there was all so i think they finished filming i only saw two episodes but um yeah there it's like the new home of the future and what that looks like and they're actually building it in texas like oh dang that sounds cool yeah yeah hearing like it's just something that's so unexpected and you're right it was he wasn't done Mm-hmm. There was so much more I mean, to do. He was—he's the one that designed those freaking flying robots, stunt robots for Disney. Like, 
Those are insane. insane. But I found out that I have kind of a family connection to him that I didn't even know about. What? So my uncle, by marriage, so my aunt's husband, uh-huh. he is a pretty famous electrical engineer. And him and Grant Imahara knew each other and worked on projects together. Oh, my gosh. And that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. I had no idea. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So I wish I would have gotten to. I did meet, in quotations, him once. um, In Vegas at E3. Oh, cool. Um, But, you know. You get to say hi to him for like two seconds, and then that's it. Just kind of a to thing. like solidify that that's a real person. Yeah, you've met him. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it'd have been. He's the kind of person I would love to like sit and chatted with for like hours about stuff. Oh my gosh, it would never end if you guys sat yeah. in the same room together. Yeah, I I liked him. I thought he was he was funny and and awkward and brilliant and and so clever. And creative in an artistic way, but also in a problem-solving way. And he, you know, he always brought so much to whatever team he was on when, you know, he was on TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I followed him on social media and, you know, just watching the stuff that he's done and the people that he has inspired to grow, you know, in their own, you know, maker, creator, fabricator, you know, things that they do. It's... and. So even, you know, it's just so odd to 49. Yeah. Like that's, that's too early. Yeah, it's way too early. Yeah. And it sucks like losing Daryl to like the same thing at yeah. such a young age. It's just, they like, it kind of like rustled up some of that too. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. And he was somebody... Like, I didn't know Grant, but I knew Daryl. And Daryl was always, like, pushing and creating and, and, and making and always looking for the next thing to, to do, to make, to share. Yeah. It was really important to him. And it was really important to him to communicate it to other people. And from what I've seen of Grant, it's the same thing. Like, he was encouraging people to to grow, to share, to do better, to work towards something that matters to them. Mm-hmm. If it matters to them, then it matters. Yeah. And both gone way too soon. Way too soon. Ugh. So, yeah, that sucks. We've lost others, but that was kind of a big, it was a big shock, and it was a big loss. Yeah, it's like of all people, like, you know, it's just like you don't, it's the ones that you don't see coming, that it's like, holy shit, like, really? I guess. I mean, yeah, it loses. It sucks to lose somebody either way. Oh, yeah. we haven't recorded since my grandma died. No, we haven't. My mom's mom passed away on July 4th the way that she would have wanted, surrounded by fireworks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now everyone's going to celebrate the day of her passing every year. It's perfect for her. Yes. But um, it wasn't a surprise. It was a long time coming. She... You know, was in in care for a very long time and took very very poor care of herself, <laughs> very very poor care of herself. Um, so she was. Let's see. She was born in forty two. That made her seventy eight. Yes. So like, long no, life. No spring chicken. Yeah, like yeah. that's a good. That's a good long time. Probably way longer than she thought she would survive. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever planned on living very long. <laughs> At least that's not the vibe I get by how she treated herself. Yeah. I mean, she did her best when she was younger. I mean, we all make very bad choices sometimes. But I think at some point she was like, fuck it. I'm I'm just going to cruise. <laughs> yeah. And she did. But, you know. I think once you hit 70, you're, you're on bonus time. You're on bonus time. Yeah. You're like, all right. I think that's fair. Autopilot. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, I can joke about it and I can make light of it. I honestly hadn't seen her in a long time. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we fell apart. We've, we grew apart over the years. And then over time, like she started developing Alzheimer's and not really quite checked in anyway. And, you mm-hmm. know, it just, we kind of just separated. Yeah. I mean, bit, like but. the last time that we went and visited her at the home, she didn't recognize anybody. But so does she? I don't know. Like, I don't know either. Yeah. But the, I mean, the people who, who really mattered to her, not that I didn't, but like the people, her kids went and saw her. 
Yeah. Plenty of times they'd visit her often. They'd, you know, uh, check in with her. And whether she was into it or not, it, you know, for their sake, they went and they were able to say their goodbyes. Like the home was really good about communicating. Yeah. And I don't typically, like, I don't know how this stuff usually works, but, you know, they were in contact with my mom and, and gave her updates and like they knew the signs, like what to look for when someone is starting to cross. Yeah. And so like they gave my mom a heads up, like, hey, you might want to come say goodbye. I'm like, that's, that's an opportunity too many folks don't get. Yeah. So I, I'm glad for her that she had that, you know, at the same time, it's not easy losing a parent. No, it's, it's, it's the worst. And even losing my own father we lived 2,000 miles apart, but I never really felt very far away from him. Mm-hmm. And it, it like, the stark distance became very apparent when I could no longer pick up the phone to call him. Yeah. Not like I even talked to him that much, but just, I don't know, it's probably written into us, you know, into our coding that you're supposed to get really sad when someone like that is no longer reachable yeah. through means that we know of. But yeah, R.I.P. Grandma. I hope she's kicking it, playing bingo. But yeah, bye, Grandma. What else? Um. Well, we can talk about something fun. I'd like that. All right. So, I've been a fan of Hamilton since <laughs> probably like 2015. Well, I've been a fan of Hamilton for approximately 48 hours, <laughs> and so. I got the mixtape pretty early on. I would listen to it at work. How did you hear about it? So this is funny. I told you about this thing. I told you You about Hamilton. Yes. Many, many, many years ago when I first heard about it. And I was like, hey, weirdest thing. Someone's making a rap musical theater about Alexander Hamilton. And you said. Why? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You said why. And I said, I don't know. But it intrigues me. (laughs) And so when I was finally able to get the mixtape and listen to the music, I was just like, holy shit, there's like, it's like really cool. Like, there's something here, you know, and I, and it's been my white whale. I've been trying to get tickets to see this play forever. Yeah. I tried to. When it was off Broadway, I tried when it was on Broadway. I tried when it came out here to California like three or four times and just never able to get it. So we were finally able to watch it on Disney Plus. And so now we had two totally different experiences because I went into it basically knowing the lyrics verbatim. Yeah, because you had the, the, the soundtrack isn't like a soundtrack to a film where you get bits and pieces of it. This soundtrack is the show in its entirety. Yeah. Front to back. Yes. There's... Even the speaking parts, that one part that has no music, uh-huh. it's considered a song. It's This oh. thing is an opera. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no, like, there's no words to it. It's just all music and lyrics and... No words and... to it? Well, no dialogue. Okay. <laughs> and... Like, hold on. <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it. <laughs> no, you imagined everything. Well, you know... But... I'm going to scoot this back because we're But so for me, I knew the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And so in my head, I had built up what I imagined the show would be like. And then you went in totally cold. Yeah. And saw for the first time. So for me, it exceeded what I even thought possible, even though in my head, like, you know, you're thinking Broadway. So you're thinking like elaborate set changes and huge sets and all this stuff. Yeah. And... It was actually opposite of that. The set was very simple, mm-hmm. uh, but used in amazing ways. And then, and then, there's parts of it that, from music, you just try to deduce what you would see, and everything was above what I even thought it would be. Did you um, picture the way that the characters were depicted visually in any way? As compared to what it ended up being on screen? Yes, because I saw their performance. They performed one song at the Oscars? The Grammys? Mm, okay. One of those two. Yeah. Probably the Grammys, because they won a bunch of Grammys. Yeah. So it was probably the Grammys. So they performed one of the one of the songs at the Grammys. 
And I don't know if it was exactly the same choreography or if they did something else. Mm -hmm. I can't really remember. But so I knew what the people playing those parts looked like and what the costuming looked like. So coming into a cold, what's your thoughts? What? What what did you imagine before you saw it, and then what did you imagine, or what did you experience? I imagined American Idiot mixed with 1776. Uh-huh. Then that's what I got, visually. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the grandeur and the, the, the pomp and circumstance of everything that had to do with the, with the film, the William Daniels 1776, mixed with that that um, kind of sassy, young, ragged style of the American Idiot type of show. Yeah. So to me, it, it that's what I envisioned it to be, but I did not see so many things coming. Like I didn't expect anyone to ever put, you know, concentric turntables inside, like on a set. <laughs> and I never thought that, you know... I knew I had a feeling the king was in there, but I didn't really put much involvement in it. And uh, there were so many things that I was happy to see, but I wasn't necessarily expecting or hoping to see or was blown away that I saw. Like, it was just such a beautiful piece of art. And the music is really great. Like, at first I was kind of like, well, he's just using the same pieces over and over again. But then I was like, yeah, but he's using the pieces in a very specific way each time. So yeah. it's, you know, repeating phrases, a lot of, you know, common refrains and, you know, the same keys and same cadences and things like that. And there's plenty of variation in there too. But you know, you do notice a lot of the same stuff over and over again. I think that might be kind of operatic. I don't know. I know they do it in symphony, how there's, you know, repeating phrases and such. Yeah. But um I thought it was so pretty. Everything was very pretty. The lighting was pretty. And even like not having seen the stage play, there's one experience of seeing it um, as a play, like how it was written, how it's presented, seeing it from one angle and only seeing like, that's all you get. Yeah. But this is mixing that presentation with um, like a, a, a cinematic. So now you have another way to storytell. So now you can do quick cuts and now you can choose if you're going to do a wide shot or a close up and you know how you're going to further the story along through the cinematic portion of it. Yeah. So it's kind of a rare opportunity like you've seen like Mary Martin's Peter Pan where you're it's a recording of the stage play but it it's very flat. Like it's yeah. not a it's not a film. But I feel like this is kind of edited some, like a film. More so than like just a recording from back a house of a play that somebody was in. Like it's very. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job of when they did push in, they only really pushed in on things that if you were sitting in the audience would be your center of focus. Yes. And so they allowed like when it needed to breathe and he needed to see everything that was going on, they let that happen. Yeah. But then they would push in on these key moments. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like anything was ever lost. I know that the, the purpose of the set and the, the chorus and everybody is to kind of expand what might be otherwise invisible, like inside the mind or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but with the cinematic, like when they did the filming and they had the camera on the stage, you can really get in there. Like you kind of get a little bit of both because you still see that play out in the background but in the foreground you see you can actually see the character making the face and going through the experience Mm -hmm. and i was telling you earlier the way that it's acted it's it is acted it's acted for theater like you still are acting to the back of the room but there is a lot of dimension you really can see them performing with each other in like almost like you know like like three camera sitcom style like they're not to say that it's campy, but to say that it's they're the, the roles are really being acted. Yeah. And sometimes in like in live theater, it's hard to have those subtle reactions and experiences because the back of the room's not going to see it. Yeah. Like maybe the first couple rows will be able to see you wink or do something weird. So, yeah. Some like, like little eyebrow flick or just like a connection with the other actor, just like a way that they 
orient themselves or like brush up. There's like so many little things that Mm -hmm. humans do with each other, depending on how close they are with each other. Yeah, that gets lost in theater. It it can, but but this, it doesn't. And I don't know, again, how it played on stage, but that's how it played in the film version. And for me, there were like three things that were just above, like so far exceeded anything I had ever even thought of. One was King George. How he's played is just, that actor is just freaking phenomenal. Hashtag team spit. Yeah. Like he is, the way he plays it is just so perfect and not at all what you would expect if you just heard the soundtrack. Mm -mm. You know, musically that he stands out. And I know, I mean, that's a, a choice. They wanted yeah. him to intentionally be different than the vibe of the rest of the show. And he yeah. totally is. He is, yeah. It's cool. Um, and then uh, the the one that, like, totally blew me away was the way that they did Satisfied, which With, is like, the, 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 reversing. the wedding. Yeah. And then how they, it reverses, and they actually do all the choreography in reverse. Mm-hmm. And then and they like almost like over. move the camera. Yeah. Like they move the perspective of the audience. Yeah. That's it's, crazy. It's nuts how they pulled that off. And like. That was very poetic. Yeah. All of that was very pretty. Yeah. It was very, very good. And then the last one is the hurricane. Like mm-hmm. when that song and then like the choreography and everything is just so good and how they make like a hurricane appear on stage mm-hmm. was just so genius. Like I would have never thought of that, like to do it that way. That's the fun is yeah. when something is done just right. It's big and mm-hmm. it could go, you know, you've got like the, the spectrum where you start out mild, you're neutral, and then you start looking cool, looking cool, and then it gets a little too far and then it turns into looking like a dickhead. Yeah. And it, it stayed in looking cool, like heavy into looking cool, never looked like a dickhead. Yeah. It was a lot. It, like everything about it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it was stunning. The music is is written in in an a relatable kind of way. Like it, it is very complex, but it it's the kind where there's very uh, varied layers mm-hmm. where you could hum along and get the gist and have a song stuck in your head on those first couple of layers. But every time you go back, you're able to sink a little bit lower, a little bit lower into the layers, yeah, and catch the different things that are told to you musically alone that you don't catch on the first time or the second time. It almost rewards you for going back. Yes, it does. It completely does. And even the film itself rewards you for going back multiple times because the first time I just enjoyed it, which is hard for me. That is. Um, that is hard for you. But the, I've seen it four times total now. And then so each time I've been kind of like focusing in different areas of like what I want to put my attention towards during the show Mm -hmm. so like you know seeing what the the background cast is doing because i wouldn't even really call them a chorus line they're more they're all actors they all have their small parts and they're all kind of like filler but they don't treat them like a chorus line necessarily would in like a usual musical like they all have every time they're on stage doing something they're playing a part they have a purpose yeah it's a there's a purpose so it's either they're they're playing a character mm-hmm. or they're playing a part of a main character, you know. Like an emotion or yeah. a sensation. Yeah, or so they're, they're bringing something to the table. They're, just, they're not just on stage to fill space and make things look pretty. To try to give things quote-unquote depth. Yeah, and so I've, I find that fascinating. Yeah. And then I don't even know, I don't even know if I should say the whole thing about the death thing well we know that um we know that he dies <laughs> well there no, is I, I mean well, so the one of the, told. no one of the background actors she oh, she right. basically plays death so she dies at the very very beginning of the play and then throughout the play anybody that she has a significant interaction with or i think anyone she talks to dies so she's kind of like foretelling the future through her actions on stage Mm -hmm. and it's just really interesting to watch her and she also plays the part of the bullets Mm -hmm. so she's 
she's it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it so go watch it you'll see what i mean but she plays the bullets and it's just fascinating like it's cool like it's such a cool concept Mm -hmm. and then um i guess like hamilton's death scene wasn't what all how they played it out Mm -hmm. wasn't what i necessarily had in my head but i love the way that they pulled it off Mm mm-hmm I like um, stuff that stood out to me was the repeating phrasing and the the through lines and the foretelling of things mm-hmm. and and the uh, the things that you don't know are foreshadows yeah yet but stuff that kind of it plays before it plays yeah and uh, I really liked what they did with the the representation of the characters like the just the the vibe that they had and just the I don't know just like. It was, I don't know, hot. <laughs> but just like, just so like, I don't know, like. Well, it's like you real, forget. Gay. So like when when you're in school, you learn about these guys, and you forget that they were like nineteen, twenty, thirty year old kids. Yeah. Doing this, so having that less astute, less, you know. I don't even know how you would call it. Like, I mean, there. It, well, it's kind of like 1776. There's yeah. a straight laced vibe that they give everybody, very uptight, and, you know, with their plantations and, and their knowing shit. how 19 to 30 year olds act. It speaks to us know. now. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels more real. I just like that it's more of like seeing a show, show mm-hmm. than it is like seeing a play. Yeah. So, you know, for all the good, that is, there's some uh, points that, you know, probably would be fair to address. Like, this whole founding father thing is very problematic. It's, they don't take into account, I mean, they kind of reference that the South, you know, that the place was built on slaves. But, you know, they, they don't really address the fact that Hamilton's married family were slave owners. And they, it just doesn't all, at all represent the, the Native Americans who used to live there last week and now don't. And these white people are fighting over the land that doesn't belong to them. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not the point of this story. I totally get that. Um, but it exists. So that's a thing. And it's it's not historically accurate and it's not intended to be stor- historically accurate. It's just supposed to be of... A beautiful retelling of some key points, you know. Yeah, uh, and, highlighted and key points of. Yeah, well, that's hard too. Like you can't tell that entire story from every point of view in the time limit allotted. Like it's a exactly. very specifically Hamilton's point of view, mm-hmm. and then they also get into Burr's point of view a lot. Yeah, at times I wondered who the story was actually about. Yeah, I thought that Burr was the main character. And Hamilton was somebody that, you know, kind of, it was almost like a, like Hamilton was the side plot, like the B plot. And Burr was the A plot. But then sometimes it was inverted. Yeah. So, yeah, both very uh, dominant characters Mm -hmm. in the story, which is probably by design for them to kind of. You know, they uh, want you to see, they clearly want you to see both sides of the story yeah. and how and why it played out the way that it did. Yeah. And it's like Burr's telling the story because he's the one who lived through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just interesting. It's just interesting. Also, I don't believe for a second that a set of women would be allowed unattended anywhere in New York at that time. <laughs> I, that alone, I found very hard to believe. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, they have any sort of agency, please. (laughs) Like, the the representation of women, I don't think was, I mean, it was overplayed. Like, they had a say. I'm like, no, they didn't. They did did reference that when they said, tell your husbands to vote for me when Burr was running for president. Like, okay. They do reference that women actually um, have no agency. (laughs) And we're but just fuck were... dolls, and now we're fuck dolls you can buy. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> well, like, Hamilton and his wife and some of the people that Hamilton associated with, they were, like, 
I guess they would be considered like the progressives of their day. Mm-hmm. Did you know, this was news to me and I found out today and I was so happy, um, that Lin-Manuel Miranda was on Drunk History telling the story of Alexander Hamilton? I believe I did know that. Because I think we, I'm sure we saw it. We must have because we watched yeah. nearly all of them. But I may not have uh, pinged that because I wasn't familiar at all. Like I knew Hamilton was a phenomenon but that I was not. I didn't. I wasn't invited to that party, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't go. But um, it's very funny. Yeah. Especially, I'm glad I saw Hamilton and then saw that. We should try to find it tonight. We'll find it. it. Yeah. But it made me giggle because he's like. He's, like, bagging on him. And, like, he's basically telling it. I mean, he's drunk. And he's supposed to have a certain sass. And it, he, like, basically tells everyone, what, you know, he what he did. But he was kind of, like, you know, fell short. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very funny. Yeah. And I like that it's very relevant to what we're going through today. Like, politics basically hasn't changed in over 200 years in the u.s i don't know in the last 12 they have so this was written and performed in the obama-rama yes and it has a certain like we can do this we did it we made it we're doing stuff we're changing things hope as that kind of flavor to it, it's it feels different in the political climate that we're in now. How does it feel different to you? It feels there's like a sense of hope and like like yeah yeah like like patriotism doesn't mean that you're you know I just I just found out that redneck's a bad word I didn't know that but like you know like the the American that feels superior for no reason and like like. I have, I have a bad taste in my mouth when, like, even the American flag kind of creeps me out because it's been waved by people for the wrong reasons. And, like, there's, like, a, a, a distaste that I have for, for um, being a patriot. Yeah. Um, I get the – but I didn't feel like that before. I didn't feel like that when Obama was president. I didn't understand as much. But that was kind of by design. We weren't supposed to understand that much about politics unless you're into politics. We're not supposed to know the name of the vice president unless you give a shit about that sort of thing. The general public is just, it wasn't in our consciousness to know about these things. But it is now. But it's not for good reasons, in my opinion. But I feel like this kind of thing, it's like a, it's like a pep talk for the people who, you know, the, the systematically oppressed and, and the people who have started way behind the finish line or the start line, and they have way longer to go just to catch up and then try to work ahead. Like they had to work harder. It kind of gives it that, like, you can and you will. Fuck yeah. Do it. This guy did it. The, you know, if you want something done, asking an immigrant. Mm-hmm. You know, it has that, that, like, that fuck yeah vibe to it. And it feels out of place right now. Politics. And the feeling of, of like being American, being free and being a patriot, it doesn't feel like that fuck yeah feeling anymore. It feels like I'm scared now. I don't, I no longer can assume that I know what the person next to me is thinking. Yeah. I don't know what that person actually thinks of me. While that is none of my business, I care to an extent because I'm not just worried about me. I'm worried about my family. And I, I feel like I trust a little bit less. I, I'm less likely to get, to even want to get close to somebody. Not like I feel like they're going to hurt me, but it's an argument I don't want to have. And I've already had the argument in my head and I'd rather just stop the conversation now before that argument happens. Mm -hmm. Probably off the rails, but I don't feel like the, the political climate in which this story in the way that it was told, thrived, is the same one that exists today. And there's a line in there that says, um, I'd like to have a beer with him. Yes. Which is something that Trumpers would say, I like this president. I feel like I could have a beer with him. Mm-hmm. And it made me sick. That's not, and that was Burr. 
that yeah. they were talking about, who Hamilton ultimately decided was an inferior choice over Jefferson. So Hamilton, in this thing, realized that, you know what? The president you want to have a beer with might not be your guy. Yeah. He knew that then. And now we have a president that someone, quote unquote, wants to have a beer with. And look where we are. What did that get us? So. Six more months of quarantine? At least. (laughs) Your livelihood's been destroyed. Thank God I'm able to work. I Oh, I got a new job. Yeah. So that's cool. I can work from home now until the office opens up again. And I'm not exposed to COVID all the fucking time. But I don't know. I I will. I mean, all of that aside. And like, I don't even know, you know, how much of that that stuff should even matter to me as the as one of the millions of end users who watches the show i i fancy myself a musician mm-hmm. i like music i like to make music and i like to recognize music and and all the you know different bits about it yeah and i'm definitely a performer and i like you know to act i like to dance i like to sing and i like to watch other people do that too and i you know to an extent i like history i'm not deeply involved mostly because i'm not really good at retaining information so it's not terribly fun to learn in the first place if it's going to go out that way yeah. that fast and history unfortunately for me does but i will appreciate this show as being a beautiful set beautiful music beautiful lighting delicious choreography the wardrobe oh my god beautiful acting by amazing talented people and all you know, mushed together into this delicious, you know, operatic chicken pot pie. So I I will choose to absolutely love it for all of those things. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it's no good because it leaves a bunch of stuff out or fails to highlight certain things or over highlights certain things for sure. Yeah. It's art. It's not it's not supposed to depict history. It's supposed to tell a story in a way that matters to the people who will be seeing it today? Yeah. And I think, to your point, the political climate we're in now versus where it was, now that it's so accessible to everybody, I think it's going to open up a lot of dialogue about that very fact and about what it means to be an American and what it means to, you know, have all this information handed to you. It, we have so much more like some so many more resources for educating ourselves about all of this where we can appreciate a work of art and at the same time scrutinize the story and the reasons behind the inspiration to that beautiful work of art yeah i hope that it starts conversations about who i mean we know who but like who and why, you know, what we now know as America was built. Mm-hmm. That more digging will be done. And it won't just be the history books, because we know that the history books don't tell a complete story. That it really takes asking questions and looking at lineage and yes. really, really digging in. Well, one of the things that I learned through, after seeing the show, I did research and I was listening to this history professor talk about why the founding fathers are viewed the way that they're viewed. And it's because that they were very acutely aware that what they were doing was a historical thing. And so from the very get go, when they kind of realized like, this is going to happen, like we're kind of going to do this they knew that history books were going to talk about them and they didn't want to be labeled as rebels and you know anti-king and all because if it went south and we didn't win the war they were going to be villains and so they and traitors and and traitors and hanged (laughs) yeah and so they wanted to craft their story and their life in a very certain way so that even if the worst happened, they would still be viewed in a certain way. 
And like a noble. Yeah. Like, yeah, it didn't work out, but their heart was in the right place kind of a thing. And so they were very aware of that. And they, they set that in motion from the very beginning in, in how, what they wrote, how they portrayed themselves in public, um, in front of like citizens. Right. And what they did with their time and, and who they spent time with. And all of that was very carefully crafted from the, the start in order that if it did go bad, they wouldn't necessarily give their families a bad name. Right. They weren't like these rebellious upstarts. They, yeah. were, they were politicians and businessmen and lawyers. Yes. And cabinet members. And so that's one of the reasons why we have this very rose-colored glasses view of what and who they were. Right. So is that even historically accurate? I think people, when they... I think there's some biographies, like, that you can read that dive deeper into who they really were as people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. It spans it for several lifetimes, though, doesn't it? Yes. So it's not just who those people were, it's who their kids were. Mm -hmm. The next generation, the first generation born here type of thing. Yeah. It's really interesting when you make a piece of art out of something historical. Yeah. It's a... Because it's like, you have to draw that line between what you're going to portray and how you're going to use that as entertainment. Because, I mean, it's entertainment. It's an interesting choice because not only is it a part of history, but it's a it's a crucial turning point in history as far as we are concerned. Yeah. It's it's just such a big it's a big story. And there's so many people involved and so many so many nuanced details. Again, like you know, no one else was in the room where it happened. Like there's so many things we'll never know. Yeah. It's like, well, I and that's still the same as politics nowadays. <sighs> yeah. You know, like you don't know what all those committees talk about and how they get shit passed. No, what fancy restaurant meals with just three people in one back room somewhere. Mm-hmm. What shit goes down. So do you think that... This is relevant enough to inspire anyone to want to go into politics? Um. Or activism? Maybe. It could. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be a different kind of politician for sure. Because I don't think someone who has grown up in politics and went to college specifically for politics, like, if you're going into politics as that's your life goal, you're acutely aware of the game that you're getting into. And that's why one of the biggest things that they do is debates mm-hmm. and and learning how to flip stories and positions to their favor <sighs> kind of a thing, because that's what they do all day. Um, I think we need more people that are, are freer thinkers. What do you mean? Like... There was an interview, and not everybody likes her, but with AOC. I was thinking of her. Yeah, and she was basically saying, talking about how we have, so we have a basically a two-party system. There's other parties, but they never win anything, so, you know. But because of that, if you want to get elected to something, you either need to be a Republican or a Democrat. That means that on the Democratic side, you have everything from centrists to progressives but because because they're all in this one group you then have like the progressives have to pull in and the centrists have to pull the opposite direction they have to meet somewhere but nothing ever gets done because of that yeah and then she was saying on the republican side you have everything from neo-nazis all the way through uh you know like centrists Mm -hmm. And they have to do the same thing because of this crazy two-party system. Like they have to all be together, so they're stuck with each other, kind of. Because they, the way that our system is set up, is basically designed to be a two-party system. Which the problem is, the founding fathers thought that was the worst possible outcome 
And I thought it would be a horrible idea to have a two-party system. But what they gave us is what created the two-party system. Because of, of backdoor deals and and sacrificing what you think isn't something that's important. Yeah. In order to get something else that you think is important. And now you've got the centrist and the far left having to meet in the middle, both of whom are sacrificing something important to them so that they can mutually benefit. Yeah. So is it just the gravity of something like this is such to where it forces all of the matter to ball up into two separate entities of opposite polarity? Yeah. Like part of it is the way that we vote. Part of it is is the way that laws are put into like how laws are presented and voted on. And, you know, we don't, people think in the U.S. that we have a majority vote and we don't. We don't? No, it's called plurality, which is different than a majority. Mm. So you could get 49% of the vote, right? Mm -hmm. But there's four other people that combined are 50% of the vote or 51% of the vote. So you didn't get over 50%, but you would still win. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they do a true majority is like doing tiered voting or whatever yeah. they call it. Like ranking for Rank voting, yeah. yeah. Which I like that idea. It's kind of cool. I like that idea too. Because then you can like pick more than one person. Oh, isn't that how we voted in Ahab? Yes. And it was like a more accurate depiction of who everyone really thought was the number one seated in any yes thing. the problem with that was a lot of people didn't understand how that worked and then there was like people get, gave a lot of shit about who got voted who won the awards and it's like because a lot of people voted them number two or something like yeah that. and they didn't understand how the system worked yeah. so it is a more complicated system but it is a much more accurate system right so you know yeah maryland is the only state that votes that way yeah i would love california to do that well they have to get their shit together. Anyway. They need to stop killing each other with COVID. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's stop the, the COVID so I can get back to work and do fun things. Yep. And I got movies to make and, and, and bands to get on tour. Uh, so There's we can all go ahead and have fun. Anything else going on? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Covered. There was a lot. Not a lot of haunt related stuff. Just, you know. By nature of our current situation, it's yeah. in fact the opposite. But um, life goes on, and other things uh, find their way floating to the surface when other things have, you know, sunk to the bottom. Yeah. That's the stuff that ends up being talked about here on Tales from the Fog. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the uh, Tales of the Fog Hamilton edition. Yes. Uh, tomorrow there will be more of us. There will be more of us. Yep. There was another line that I just loved, and it goes by so fast I have to look it up. I forget what it is. Dying's easy, living's harder? No, but that's a good one. Yeah. That's basically what every semicolon tattooed on somebody is saying. Yes. It's like, dying's easy, living's harder. Um, no, it was a, it was something absolutely beautiful, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> that play is just filled with beautiful, yeah. beautiful things. Um, so yeah, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tales from the Fog. You can follow Veronica on Instagrams at, uh, please follow my, my film Instagram account at Stunt Soundy, S-T-U-N-T-S-O-U-N-D-I-E. You can also find me on my, my main slash voiceover account at Veronica Voices. You can find me on Battle.net playing World of Warcraft. What? At um, my gamer tag is Nani underscore C4. And I don't know what those numbers are at the end. I don't have them in front of me. But next time we're together, I will tell you. Yeah. So you can go raid and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm on Norganon. I have a blood elf rogue, just like the old days. And I'm uh, tearing shit up, yo. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also on Twitch because I have an 11-year-old who is on Twitch. Or uh, 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 what's the other one? He's on Steam. Discord. He's on Discord. No, Xander's not on Twitch. Please, dear God, let him not be on Twitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, but I do think not. I am on Twitch. I just have an account. But uh, yeah, that's uh, where you can find us jamming, playing yeah. Sims and WoW and all kinds of fun stuff out there. So um, I hope everyone is staying safe and staying sane 
And, um, you know, one day at a time, find something that makes you smile. Find someone who makes you smile and makes you think. And uh, be good to each other. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Please stay away from each other. Stay home if you can. Please. Please. (laughs) For the love of God. That's all I got. And until next time, see you in the fog. Bye, guys. Bye.